Thank you for coming this evening. How's everybody doing? Let's make this a tribute. Not a memorial. It's not sad. We're celebrating the man. Let's have some fun. Lend me himself, right? Series, uh, producer, home front, Knott's Landing, soap operas galore, award winning Lynn Latham. <laughs> Great TV writer and producer, you might remember a little show called Highlander, Gillian Horvath. Lynn's <laughs> beloved widow, Christine Milano. Stories TV, you might remember a little show called Star Trek Next Generation, Melinda Snodgrass. <laughs> Author, editor, former president of DC Comics, that little company in Burbank now, Paul Levitz. <laughs> writer of novels, comics, video games. She's worked on Ben Penn and Barely Odd Parents and Kim Possible. Charlotte Fullerton. You, you all know Wendt Lynn, you know what he created. I don't think I need to get into too many details of those kinds of things. He touched on every faction of, of the comics world, from TV to film, to animation to games, to being on What's My Line. Um, uh, but I think these people could tell us best of all about him. So, um, just start me off with, what was your first interaction with Len? How did he merge into your world? One at a time. Go right down the line. Well, I think we should start with Paul, who I think has known him longer than anybody else on this panel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first interaction with Len was reading his stuff. Uh, probably first noticing his credit on Phantom Stranger mm. when he was doing it with Jim. I have no memory of that. that was, I, 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 no, I, 
were doing the faces of science fiction, you were doing all these wonderful portraits, and we met, and then life brought me to Los Angeles to work on track, and next thing I know, Chris is saying, well, you need to have friends out here and come to our house for dinner, <laughs> because this is the kind of people that she and Lynn were. They always took in orphans and strays, and I was an orphan and a stray. Um, and so I came in, and, and here was just this wonderfully, you know, exuberant, infectiously joyful person. But I didn't know he was like really famous. <laughs> you know, I didn't know he created, you know, half of the characters it felt like in, in, in comics world because. She was my friend because I had told her not to go to law school and she didn't listen to her. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, she has a nice husband. And then I began to understand. Yeah. Um, now, I, there are other people on this panel that knew of one way before I did, I'm pretty sure. But in terms of meeting, it's probably me next. Uh, I met Lynn when I was working on this project photographing people in science fiction. I had flown out to Los Angeles to Westercon to photograph our Harlem. And the reason why I had chosen that particular moment to photograph Harlem was because Diana and Leo Dillon were the artist guest of honor. And I knew Diana Muno from Creators Rights Work I've been doing back east. And I figured if Diana and Leo introduced me, he wouldn't be my head. And uh, we would all be happier afterwards. So I uh, lightly came out in these days, this is very funny, because the person who's area I was doing this initially for, gave me her mileage to fly out. And in those days, you couldn't use your mileage for other people. So I flew out under, under a ticket that wasn't under my name. And uh, she you know, had a friend who arranged for me to, to stay. So, um, but I did know some people, not the least of them at that point was Melinda, that we had met before. And uh, I was walking down the hallway on July 1st of 1989. And I ran it. I had run into David Gerald earlier in the day, and he was standing there talking to somebody. And he said to me, "This is somebody you should photograph for your project." And I was great, swell. And the next day, when he showed up, um, I said, "And I'm at the point in this project where I'm being told that there are people I should photograph, and that's what David said." And I trust David. So who the hell are you anyway? So <laughs> that's how I met somebody. Los Angeles. 
drives three hours south in order to have drinks with the people who live a mile from them. <laughs> and that sort of happened with us. We chatted a bit in the in the green room and enjoyed that a lot. And then later I thought, I wonder if maybe they want to, you know, he wants to grab a drink or something. So we actually, the condoms were smaller then, so I called around to each of the main hotels and just asked for the front
the friendship developed from there, and I am so grateful that I had it. negativity. I mean, it just 
it just brings the whole thing down. And I had the best day of my life because no matter, it was exactly like what you said. No matter what it was, if, if we would hit a roadblock in the story, Lynn was, we can go here, we can go there. He never, um, he never tried to push an idea because if he would say, oh, this won't work, he would just go to the next one. He would never, you know, it, 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 that collaborative spirit was amazing. And I was so sad that I only worked on one show with him because I thought if only he'd been in every writer's room. <laughs> I, he, he would just, he lifted the quality as well as the spirit of the room. Get 
about everything in life. And that was coupled with, I believe, an innate positivity. I would love to find that positive gene and do some gene slicing because uh, he was always positive. Yes, because he felt that if he did anything else, he would die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people people talk about, um, oh God, you know, when he's going to die again, as if it were a joke, as if it were real. And in the time we were together, um, there were there were uh, at least three times when, in fact, the doctors came in and said, if you had not come into the hospital, you would be dead. Um, and uh, Melinda, my sister, stood, while I was working, stood and said to him, you need to get to a hospital, and he wouldn't believe it, uh, when he was having a heart attack. Heart attack, <laughs> yes. You know, um, but there's a lot of things that went on in the world where think that he might be bitter or whatever, but he wasn't. It's like, for me to get angry, but for him not to be angry, because he just felt that if you got angry, it kills your, it, it's, it's something that kills your soul and makes your life miserable and nobody else's. And so I think that positivity was indeed what kept him alive for nine, uh, 69 years. I just wanted to jump in with uh, along those lines of Lynn's uh, ability to inject levity into situations. I was writing an episode of Ben 10 for Dwayne. Um, I can't remember the title of it, but it, it, it had to do with um, uh, Kevin Levin finding out who his father was. And, um, and Len wanted to put in and, and ended up doing so, uh, convincing Dwayne to put in the, let Kevin say the line, you know, hello, my name is Kevin Ethan Levin. I <laughs> my father, prepare to die. <laughs> and was like, I don't know about that. And <laughs> they had some back and forth and stuff. And I'm not actually sure how I managed to do this. <laughs> But it was a pretty dark episode. It was such a dark episode overall. It needed a moment like that. So, so hearing uh, yeah, that, that could end it convince the IRS that uh, he really shouldn't have to file for three years because everything got lost in one of the uh, really bad late years we had in Los Angeles. No penalty, no nothing. <laughs> yeah. They had their money. Nobody gets away with it. It's it's great charm. My son my son sent me a note reminding me that Len lived for a whole you know, was living with not once but twice with a broken neck. He fell and broke his neck once, and then the second time he broke it is when he uh, actually wound up having to have surgery for it. But he walked around with a broken neck and continued to work with a broken neck. That you know it's like. The nurse, when he finally went in to see the doctor, and he says to the nurse, well, I'll have to think about it. She said to me afterwards, she said, what was there to think about? His head was falling off. <laughs> <laughs> he could have picked, picked it up. Carried it over his arm. He told the story uh, more than once, I think, and you can hunt it up and hear it directly from him instead of, you know, I think it's what report online about how Batman saved his life. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 so
brought a comment, uh, brought a back comment street, and he decided at that moment that he was going to go up and be a comic book artist, and that is in fact what he studied to be. Um, and uh, and then he walked in to DC where he was sort of a known face because he was going in for um, uh, the tours that they used to do, and uh, so they went in and showed him and. Uh, Said him, well, you know, the art's not quite there, but I kind of like your story. If you, you know, want to pitch some stuff to us. Went home, wrote three pitches, they walked the first pitch. Well, and he did sell a couple of comic book stories that he drew to yeah. uh, Gold Key really? before that. Um, might, have been two, might have been two. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't know that anyone. Mercifully remembers them. <laughs> I had at least one page of it somewhere. I don't think it went up in the fire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to go back to what was being said about sort of that body of weird knowledge, because I think it was absolutely true. But it's also one of the reasons that writers recognize each other. I describe most writers as having Velcro brains. Weird shit sticks in there. <laughs> My children would never ask. How do you know this? When I start talking about something, it asks, "Why do you know this?" <laughs> uh, and Len was an extraordinary example of that. But it is—it it is sort of one of the mating calls back and forth of writers when you walk into a room. The ability to have a conversation about the most ridiculous nonsense imaginable, and he was an extraordinary example of that. The naming skill, though, was something that. Most of us do not have on more than a minimal level, and he possessed it at really an extraordinary level. And just the ability to come up with four different names for a gravity based villain on a particular day painlessly just was absolutely astounding to watch. And he never forgot anything. Um, so, the, the, the reason that I was there when Lynn was having the heart attack is we were doing this thing. I can't remember if it was Action Tuesday or Action Thursday. Yes. Lynn named everything. It was Thursday. It was an Action Thursday. Yeah. So, um, and it was a time when there was Person of, we love these TV shows, Person of Interest and Arrow and The Flash. Uh, and if they weren't all at the same time, he would record them all and then we'd come over and fix dinner and then Chris's sister T and, and Lynn and I would sit and watch these shows. And, and his enthusiasm, but all the way through Flash and the Arrow, and any time we're watching those shows, he kept pausing it to say, okay, now this guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's going to turn into this other guy. <laughs> and of course, I don't know all this history, so I'm just wide-eyed fascinated. And T would turn to me and go, can we just watch the show? <laughs> and then we would watch it, and he would he'd turn it back on, and we'd go like five more minutes, and then it was, okay, I have to tell you this thing. And, and he remembered it all, I guess, this whole history. I'm going to throw this out there, though. Derek McCaw, who runs the trivia competition on Sunday afternoon, he said he wanted to make sure that I let that I let you guys know that one Len was the only one to participate in all 22 years, wow. and that he always successfully answered questions about his own career six times. That <laughs> <laughs> he consistently slept all the time. He consistently struggled to answer questions about his own work. <laughs> Can I point out that I think some people have too much time on their hands and they've got those statistics? <laughs> <laughs> two quick additions to that. Every time you guys 
got a question about it doesn't work, the room gave him a standing ovation. <laughs> and also, the, trivia, the propane trivia contest was Lynn's idea originally. He's the one who proposed it. So the final propane trivia contest, we assume, is this Sunday at 3.30 in room... Somewhere in the 20s. Oh, in the 20s. That's bad. That's bad. I know. I know. Um, and it is all about Len's work. So, I feel like you're not going to be on the panel. He would have been terrible. But if you thought of that instead of the Harlan Ellison Memorial Panel at 3 o'clock, it might be a good time. Route 26AB. Thank you. 26AB for that. I told you guys I would be there. I'm not sure how I'm going to. Um, Christy, in all seriousness, whatever you want to do is fine. Okay. The story about Batman saving his life, yes, that, yes. Uh, which I, I think of it all the time now because the story about Batman saving his life is that he was back in the hospital because uh, he had a lifelong career of being in and out of hospitals. <laughs> and, uh, but he refused basically to die because he was not going to miss the Batman 
one of the young girls in his school was Storm. And we're talking so much now about diversity and identification, and Lynn gave us a world with these characters that, that really helped kids through the rough times, and I can say help me still, and will continue for ever.
There were television rolls. The TV was always on in every room in the house. On a different channel! <laughs> That's like all, you know, and um, Jeopardy was never missed. I once relayed an entire episode of Jeopardy to him by phone when he was stuck at LAX on his way to London. And I was in law school and the show was obviously on three hours earlier. And he got to be a clue on Jeopardy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, we just saw it. Um, as a matter of fact, it just flipped by. Um, the um, the television room. Okay, so we got the comic book. No one has ever really dead in comics unless you see the body, and often not even then. He was pretty sure he could resurrect any character from death. Unfortunately, he couldn't resurrect himself. Um, but uh, yeah, he was. Um, he was a clue on Jeopardy two weeks after we buried him. Um, the show was actually recorded several months earlier because the show was worried about a writer's strike. So it had been about, it had been four or five months since it was done. And um, not that, you know, it's like, not that we weren't friends with the writers or anything, but they are pretty tuned in. A number of them are pretty tuned into this, which is why you will often see a Bergopolis question or Bergopolis um, panel for a friend named Dave Berg uh, on Jeopardy. So. I have a question. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about when you went to the Big Bang Theory uh, to the set because I remember you telling me about sitting in uh, uh, Sheldon's seat. seat and, and about but the comic books that are on, on Where the Where I am. Um, unfortunately, Bill Prady wasn't coming down until later tonight. Bill's become a very good friend of ours. Um, but, um, and I don't know how many of you saw the I think second from last episode, which was their Shadow <coughs> this year. But yeah, we, we had been down, uh, we went down to the panel uh, to, to see the show a number of times because we're friends with the show, and frequently they would set up things so you would see Lynn's work somewhere in the shot. And one night we went with Janice, we went with Janicea, and we did a show, we were sitting there on the, on the couch and, and all, and Lynn's Legacy's books was sitting right on the end table. Did he sign it for them? Did he sign it for them? I don't know. I don't think he did. And George, how it's going? George Martin wants to know how this is going. Oh. <laughs> How's Lynn's memorial? Not a memorial. We're still George, George probably even knows him longer, longer than you did, Paul. They met through the pages of the comic books in the early 60s, and George has the number one badge to the, number, the first Comic Con, Con, which Lynn helped, well, certainly named and helped throw in New York. In 1964? 19, yeah. yeah, 1964. Yeah, and wow. George still has his badge, his number one. George doesn't throw anything away. No, he's still shooting away. I like to say that, uh, you know, yeah, Lev is a successful comic book writer, which is what both Stephen King and George R. R. Martin wanted to be. Uh, Stephen King has the hospitals with his money, and George Martin owns more money than God. I would rather he had been a failed comic book writer than a successful novelist. <laughs>
And we were down at Disneyland, right? And it was Christmas time, and they had redone the haunted mansion, but as the Nightmare Before Christmas. And while we were in the line ride, you know, making our way to get there, they were playing all the soundtrack from from the Nightmare Before Christmas. And so Lynn and I just started singing. And everybody was kind of going, oh, God, these people are singing. And then one by, and he was kind of smiling and going, come on, come on. And then more and more people started singing because they had, like, the words up there. So by the time we got there, we had this whole group of people singing with us, and we made it there. I think you and Carl were going, oh, God, we're not with them. <laughs> loved Broadway. Um, and when he would go back east, and I was working, and I couldn't go back east with him most of the time, and I don't like to fly. My sister was living in New York, so my sister, one week they saw nine shows in the seven days that they were there. Um, he, you know, and, and he sort of had a rule, he wasn't, you know, he went back east one time, and he said, I don't want to see anything I've seen before, and he turned around and there was a poster for the Drowsy Chaperone, which he'd seen only a couple months before, and it was opening on Broadway. Uh, and he said, accept that. And, you know, so he was willing to, to you know, make adjustments there. He really wanted to see Hamilton, and we had tickets to see Hamilton the week before he died. He was in the hospital and did not get to see the show, which really broke his heart. Because he really loved Lynn Manuel Miranda's uh, In the Heights, um, and uh, so that was a big disappointment to him. Um, but boy, he loved Broadway. He loved Broadway. He, uh, he did an online game show where each contestant was oh, the answering experts. questions. Yeah, the experts yeah. in a different arena. And he chose to answer questions about Sondheim, and one of the other contestants was answering questions about Len Wheaton. <laughs> 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 he also did the pilot for a podcast called Go Fact Yourself, which is currently running, and I'm doing stills for it. Um, but uh, again, he chose Sondheim for his area, and he just loves Sondheim. I do not love Sondheim, except for uh, uh, I like assassins a lot. Yeah, I, I can't stand Sean Pyman. When I told him that, he looked at me and said, well, you were almost perfect. <laughs> 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 but he, he knew it all. Um, yeah, you know, you know what? We've got one or two. We've got a Linda Broadway story. Uh, when I first got to Congress, it was a... Need to talk up, Michael. Uh, it was a Congress of the Europe. Um, what, what,
no, the thing is that we were chasing in the cops. So the cops go, we start singing, I want to live in America. Wow, I want to live in everyone's free in America. We look over to some Latino gay man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to Lynn Latham, 
Thank you. 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 Thank you.